let me invite you very quickly to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and that's right after 1 Timothy, right before 3 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and before we read a portion of this scripture, let's pray. Father, we are grateful again for this morning and the privilege that's ours and the freedom that's ours to worship you and to gather with the saints, Father, to be in your presence, to sing the songs of faith and also to hear a portion of your word this morning. Father, we pray that you would add your power and your strength to the preaching of the word and also to the hearing of the word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Again, it's uh, it's my pleasure and my honor to be here to fill in for Brother Russell. Appreciate his invitation again. Appreciate you coming back another week after I was here last week, and uh, that's a good sign for me. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, just a, a, a brief background. The Apostle Paul is in prison. He knows the end of his life is about to, to occur. Uh, he's heard the rumors around the prison. He's going to be executed. And uh, he, he writes this final letter to the young pastor, the young preacher named Timothy, gives him final instructions and encouragement. And so we, we come to, to chapter 4, 2 Timothy. Look at verse 5, if you will. And he says to Timothy, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Uh, the last final instructions really for Timothy just to, to be about the business that he was called to do as a pastor, as a preacher. Then Paul says of himself in verse 6, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He knows that his time on, on this planet, on earth, is limited. He knows he's going to, to be executed, to be put to death uses the word departure, and that's a good word, isn't it, for, for, a, for a believer uh, who, who comes to that point at the end of their life, and it's a departure. It's, it's, not, it's not final, it's just a departure, and, and the word he uses is, is like a, a ship sailing out from the shore, from the dock, and it reaches a place where it's called the horizon. When it goes over that point, you can't see the ship anymore. doesn't mean it's not there. It didn't cease to exist. It's just out of view. And so for a believer to experience death, we're, we're just out of view. We're, we're still, we still exist. We're, we're in a better place, another place, but we haven't ceased to exist. We're just out of view. And, and there's a lot of us, uh, we have loved ones and, and friends and family. They're, they're just out of view if they're indeed in Christ. So that's a great word. And then Paul, it continues in verse 7, and we'll look at that in a moment, and he he kind of looks back over his life, and I think people, when they come to that place where you're nearer the end than the beginning, you kind of look back over your life, and, and you kind of self-evaluate, and Paul kind of does that, and, and as he does that, I, I was thinking about that, and, and you know, life matters, doesn't it? Life's important. Life is precious, so life matters. And so, because of that, we ought to live a life that matters. Our lives ought to matter, and, and I think that's what the Apostle Paul did. He, he looked back over his life and said, I, and he thought to himself, have I mattered? Have I made a difference? And, 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 and he did. We know that, don't we? Uh, he made a, a huge impact on, on believers today, and 
uh, young pastors and preachers and churches that he helped start. And, but, but he wanted to, to examine himself. I think, that's a, I think that's a good thing to do, to look back. And, and he did. And, and as he looked back, he, he came up with three things that he shared with young Timothy, that he shares with all of us today. Three things that make a life matter, that li- makes a, a life make a difference. And, and part of that is, is ending well. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I'm nearer the, the end than the beginning. So I, I want to end well. Now, a life that matters is one that ends well, but also ones that runs well. And Paul looked back, and, and he said three things. And in verse 7, he says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Three simple things that if, if we take those things to heart this morning and kind of with the Apostle Paul look at our lives and where we're at now, maybe where we've been, and, and whether we're nearer the end or the beginning, these things are important to, to, for a life that matters. And so I'm going to take those three things and, and very simply, very quickly, uh, just, just talk about those briefly this morning. The first thing he said, and they're not in the order I read, they're in the order I choose, okay? And, and he says, number one, he says, I've kept the faith. I have kept the faith. And last week, we, we, we kind of looked at the Apostle Paul's conversion story, didn't we? On the road to Damascus, and he was on his way to persecute believers. Uh, and, and on that road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus appeared to him, spoke to him, and he was saved. He, he, he became a person of faith in Christ. And so uh, Paul was saved on the, on the road to Damascus, and he never got over that salvation experience. When he, that time when he came to faith. And this morning it's my prayer that, that like Paul, you know that you're saved and, and you've never gotten over that. You know, it's, 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 always, it's always there. You, you never got over that experience of coming to faith in Christ. And so Paul says, I, I, one thing I've done, he said, I've kept the faith. From the moment I received Christ as my Savior, the, the moment I came to faith in Christ, I have kept the faith. And what he means by that is I've never stopped believing. I've never stopped having faith from the moment I received Christ by grace through faith. I've never stopped believing. And he had a lot of uh, things happen to him that might cause him not to believe. I mean, the Bible talks about all his experiences. As he wrote this, he sat in a prison, which he did much of his adult ministry, and he spent more time in prison than out of prison because of his faith. Uh, the Bible says he was shipwrecked. He was snake-bitten. He was uh, stoned and left for dead many times, beaten with rods and, and, and persecuted by, by not only the Romans, but also the people of his own uh, faith, the Jewish people. Uh, and so, but he never stopped believing. He, he kept the faith. And, and the Bible's full of, of people who've gone before us who, who kept believing. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith. And it describes people from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and even people to come who would die not seeing what they believed in come true. They would die still believing. And so Paul says, one thing I've done is I look back over my life and one thing I leave for an example, a pattern, I've, I've kept the faith, I've kept believing. 
when I think of faith and, and keep on believing and never stop believing, my mind goes back to the book of Daniel. And, and the Bible talks about uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon invaded uh, Judah and they brought back captives. And among those captives were four young men. One was named Daniel. Then there were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were brought into the king's palace and they were trained in the ways of the Babylonians. Uh, a far distant cry from what how they were raised as, as Hebrew children. And, and so uh, one particular time the king erected a huge golden statue and image and he made a decree, a law. He said, whenever you hear the music playing, whatever you're doing, stop, get on your knees and, and, and bow down and worship this idol that I have created, this image that I've created. And if you don't do that, you'll be punished, you'll be You'll be put to death in a, in a fiery furnace. And, and so the Bible says that these three young Hebrew children refused to follow the law, refused to follow that decree. And whenever they heard uh, the music, they didn't bow down and worship a golden image, a statue. They worshiped the, their God, the true and living God. And word got back to the king. And he brought those three young men in. He was furious and he said, have, have, you, have you really disobeyed my, my command, my decree? Have you, have you done this? And they said, you have no need that we should answer. You know, you know the answer. We've not obeyed your, your decree. And so they also said, and he said, well, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And so they said to him, we know that our God is able to deliver us from your hand, O king. In other words, we, we, we know, we believe that our God can do anything. And he can deliver us from that fiery furnace that you have ready for us. And you know, that, that's, a, that's a great statement of faith, isn't it? For a person to say, the God I believe in, I believe that God can do anything. Do we, do we have that kind of faith? Do we believe that, that our God, who we've placed our faith in, can do absolutely anything? There's nothing he can't do. Do you believe that this morning? I do, don't you? And that's what they were saying. We believe our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace from your hand, O God. That's a, a great statement of faith. But then they said something else. But if not, we believe he can deliver us. But if not, if he chooses not to, he's still God and we still worship him and only him. Now, that's even greater than saying God can do anything to say whatever God chooses to do, he's still God. Because that says, I believe in the sovereignty of God. In other words, God is God and he can do anything he wants to do. And yes, he can deliver me, but he can choose not to. And that's what they were seeing. So, so that's not only a, a great statement of faith, that's a statement of great faith. To, to say, God is sovereign. And I believe, I'll never stop believing, even if he chooses not to deliver me. And if you've ever been at that point where you have to believe even though if not happens. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And so Paul says, I've done that. I, I have kept the faith. I've, I've, I've accepted Christ. I put my faith and trust in him. And I have never stopped doing that no matter what happened or didn't happen. I've kept believing. I've kept the faith. And then he says something else in verse 7. Not only have I kept the faith, he says, I fought the good fight. 
I fought the good fight. You know, a lot of things we fight about aren't very good, are they? They're not worth fighting for. But Paul says, I have fought the good fight. And, and I think I, I know what he means. I think he means I have fought for the faith that I've kept. I, I have fought for the gospel, for the advance of the gospel. I, I fought for the Lord. I fought a fight worth fighting. It's a good fight. And so if, we, if we're going to fight, we need to, we need to engage in a good fight, don't we? And our faith is worth fighting for. I, I also believe that life itself is worth fighting for. You know why? Because life matters. Life is precious. Life is also fragile, isn't it? And so Paul says, I have, I have kept believing and I fought the good fight. I, I have fought a fight worth fighting for, the good fight. You know, I thought about some of the things that we, that we struggle with, that we fight for, that we fight against even sometimes. And the first thing that pops in my mind is, in my life at least, the biggest battle I have is with me. I have my biggest problem. We fight against ourselves. We fight against the flesh. We fight against our, our self-wants and needs. And, and, and you know what? Sometimes we want to give up, don't we? But I want to tell you something. You're worth fighting for because the Lord loves you. We sang about that this morning. Jesus loves you. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, we, we fight against our, our flesh. And Paul said the same thing. He said, the things I know to do, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, I do. And he said, it's just a struggle. I, I fight against myself. And so my, one of my biggest fights is with me. And if you don't believe me, ask my wife. She has the same trouble with me that I do, okay? So we fight against our, our flesh, but that's a fight worth fighting for. And then we also fight against the world. Is, are you surprised that, that the world is against us, that, that we're, we're, we're going upstream in a downstream world, and, and we're, we're not in a, a friendly environment at all anymore, are we? And so we, we do, we're in a struggle against the world and, and the world view and, and, and we're forced to take a stand, to, to, to not back down from what we value and for what we believe in and what we don't believe in and the things that not only we're against but the things that we're for. It's, it's a struggle, but it's a fight worth fighting, isn't it? Sometimes you're just, listen, I don't know about you, but when I listen to the news and I see things going on, I hear things going on, sometimes I just think it's, it's just not worth fighting. We just give up because nothing's ever going to change. But, but it's a good fight. The Apostle Paul fought against the world too. And, 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 but he, he, he took the stand. He never backed down because it was a fight worth fighting for. So no matter how far away from the Lord the world continues to get, we, we, we've got to keep fighting the good fight and, and, and take that stand and not back down. And, and then we, we fight against Satan himself, the enemy, the evil one, don't we? And he uses all kinds of, of tools to, to defeat us and, and to, to set us back. He uses deception. He uses distractions, and, and that's, the, I think, one of his chief tools is, is distraction. If he can just keep us distracted, and in fact, one way he distracts us, especially in churches, to get us to fight 
for things not worth fighting for. That's a distraction. To get all upset about things that really don't matter, that really aren't that important. Distraction. He uses delusion. He uses all kinds of, of tricks uh, to defeat us and to destroy our testimony. But Paul said, I, 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 I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I've, I've never backed down. And here I am at the end. And then Paul said in verse 7, I have finished the race. I, I, I said before, he knows he's at the end. And, and listen, I, I know that I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning, far closer to the end. And, and so the encouragement is here, is here. Finish the race. And Paul viewed his life, a life that matters, a life that ends well, a life that runs well, as a, as a not a sprint, uh, but, but, an, but, but a marathon, uh, a race of endurance. And so he says, I finished the race. I finished the course. Uh, Jimmy Draper, one of the heroes or the, He's still around. He's he's older in, a, in age now, but he's one of the uh, the, the statesmen of our faith, our, our especially our denomination. He wrote a book not a couple of years ago, a small book, and it was it's, it's his ministers and pastors and people in, in vocational ministry. He said, and the title of the book was "Don't Quit Before You Finish." Don't quit before you finish, and and whether it's ministry or or life, we, we shouldn't quit before we're finished. So no matter how close I get to the finish line, I don't ever want to quit. Because once you quit, you've quit living. And once you've quit living, you're finished. So he said, I, I finished the race. He didn't quit before he's finished. Here he is in prison. And then I thought about that. How, how, do, you, how do you finish the race? Because it's so tempting, isn't it, to, 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 to give up and to give in and, to, and just to, to lay down and rest and stop. How do you finish the race? And then I was, I was drawn to Hebrews chapter 12. And let me just share that with you quickly. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And, and he just finished chapter 11, and that's the hall of faith. Now, I think when he wrote the first verse of chapter 12 or came to, to light, he was thinking about those heroes of the faith that have gone before us like a grandstand, an arena. And there they are watching and they're cheering us on. And he says, and then he says this, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And so Hebrews chapter 12 tells me this, if I want to finish the race, I've got to lighten the load. I've got to lighten the load, and I lighten the load by setting aside the things which weigh me down, such as sin, such as worry, all those things that, that weigh me down, and I need to lighten the load. But then he also says in the next verse, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. If 
I want to finish the race, I've got to lighten the load, and then I've got to look unto Jesus. I've got to look unto Jesus. I've got to keep my eyes on Him. I'm also reminded of, of uh, Peter and the disciples when they were out at, at sea and the storm came up and Jesus was on the shore and they became afraid and they thought they were going to die and Jesus walked on the water to the, to the ship or to the boat to them. They saw him. Peter jumped out of the boat and he began to walk on the water, but he began to watch the waves and, the, and hear the wind and, and, and see the, the fierceness of the storm. And the Bible says he began to sink and Jesus reached down and saved him and rescued him. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Look unto Jesus. And then it says we need to think about, consider Jesus and what he endured to finish. And Jesus' finish on earth was that cross at Calvary, dying in our place, becoming our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That was his finish. He, he said, just think about that. So when, I, when I'm tempted to, to, to quit, I, I lighten the load, I, I'm going to look to Jesus, and I'm going to think about what he endured to finish his race on this earth. Now back to our text in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he says this, and finally. Now he says, I've kept the faith. I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight. And then he says, and finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not only unto me, but to all those who put their faith in him. Finally. Have you thought about that? Finally. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, finally seems more precious to me than ever before. I, I'm looking forward to finally. Finally. Everything that we have endured will be more than worth it. That finally helps me to keep the faith. It helps me to, to fight the good fight. It helps me to finish the race. You know what? This morning I pray that you have a finally, that you have a finally that you can look forward to. You know, we, we often talk about, we don't know how people live without the Lord. I don't know how people come to the end without the Lord. Because they have nothing, they have no finally to look forward to. We do, don't we? We have a finally. There is laid up for us a crown, a reward. And, and all that it encompasses, I don't even know what all that is. I, I can only imagine as the song says, but I have a finally. Do you have a finally? Have, are you keeping the faith? Do you have a faith to keep in Christ? Do you know that? Or are you fighting the good fight or have you withdrawn? Have you retreated? There are times I have, I'll be honest with you. Have you... Are you finishing the race? Or have you already quit living? Just remember that finally. Let's bow and we're going to pray. Brother Russell's going to come and musicians are going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation.
And it's my prayer this morning that you have a faith that you're keeping, that you are fighting that good fight, that you are finishing the race that the Lord has set before you. Father, we thank you this morning. We, we praise you. And Father, I, I pray this morning that, that we will live a life that matters, that makes a difference, that we'll, we'll live a life that not only finishes well, ends well, but Father, runs well. So Lord, I just pray this morning that if you've spoken to hearts, that you'll give them the courage to respond this morning. Maybe they need to come down front, maybe right where they sit. But Father, we just pray you'd have your way and your will in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.